0: Welcome to Mondays with Mark, a podcast all about Invincible. <laughs> I, <I've been> <laughs> what? What? Right. No, no not
1: Invincible. It
0: it's called. That's a Mark. very mi-
2: misleading way to start a podcast. <laughs> oh,
0: okay, well, it's kind of our second episode. We did a preview episode, I guess. Let's call it Podvincible, a podcast about Invincible on Prime Video. This is the first official episode. I guess that's the way you guys want to start it.
2: We're going to need to do a oh. retake with more enthusiasm. Podvincible, is, you know what's good? Because Pod is short for podcast, and it's right in the name.
0: Oh, Okay, I did not get that. I thought it was short for Podrick Payne, everybody's favorite character from Game of Thrones. Good. Regardless. It's, it's still not called Kirkmania, though. I'm Alex. Justin. Wait, what was it called though? What was the other option?
1: What's your name, Pete? I'm not saying it until you answer my question first. <laughs> what was the other option? Mustache talk? No, it was something mania. What was it? Kirk Mania. It was Kirk Media. I'm, Kirk-mania. I'm just, Kirk-mania. just saying. Not yeah. doing Kirk Mania. Oh, it's a great <laughs> sorry, name. Matt. It's, it's called Potvincible.
0: That's the name of the podcast. And we're gonna be talking about the first episode of Invisible. It's about time, and we are right on it with our timing in this episode. Now, requisite spoiler warning here. If you haven't gone and watched the first episode, which is live on Prime Video right now, go watch that. We're not going to talk about every moment in the episode. We're going to talk about spoilers, favorite moments. End of the episode, we're going to talk about our most invincible moment in the episode, which would be fun. But before we get into that and before we get into specific points about the plot or anything like that, this is a big swing, like we talked about on the preview episode. This is a hour-long adult animated show that's something you don't see ever really. Oh. Oh. And this is from a comic that we read, I think, every and reviewed almost every issue of for the entire yes. length of the run. So clearly there's a lot of expectations that we all have here. How did that match those expectations for the comics and how did you feel about this as an episode of television? Pete, you've been very patiently waiting and raising well, your hat. What's your Yeah,
1: take? I just wanted to um Before we kind of unpack that a little bit, I just wanted to say, like, this episode, it's about time, you know, and I just wanted to say, like, it's important that you stop and think about time a little bit, you know what I mean? Especially in this kind of pandemic with COVID and everything going on, it makes you really realize how valuable the little time that we have here is. Oh, know? and we, should, we like... should
2: mention, sorry to interrupt you, just to keep the uh, listeners and the first episode of the podcast, a uh, piece going through a midlife crisis and has been for like 10 years. So <laughs> this is just a continuation of that. Um, so, right. Feel free to just enjoy this. Yeah,
0: uh, if you could save these thoughts for our uh, section, of everybody's favorite section of the podcast called Facing Our Own Mortality. We do oh, that a- oh,
2: okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's later? Okay. My bad. My bad. That, that's
2: because all three of us are very vincible.
1: We are we are deeply <laughs> Yeah. We are extremely invincible. But I just thought it was interesting because Zelvin was saying, like, it is taking a big swing. And I was happy with the title of this first episode to be like, let's talk about these big kind of things in life. You know, so if you're going to take a big swing, why not tackle something huge in the first episode like time, like its meaning, like, you know, how different things are at different points of your time. And you can love something at one point and then not like it another. You know,
2: you mean like Earth?
0: like the planet earth, like I really don't know what you're talking about right now, Pete, (laughs) Justin, let's go over to you and get your thoughts on the comic and the episode we watched (laughs) rather than the concept
1: (laughs) of time. Oh man, you guys are really missing out. Uh, wow.
2: Um, I so I think this comic, when we, we read it so long ago and really stuck with it, um, it just captures something um, very, it captures like early issues of Spider-Man from like decades and decades ago. Like it's this kid who you just identify so hard with, like finding out that he actually is has every kid's dream or many kids dream of, of being a superhero, of developing superpowers uh, right when you need them uh, as you're going through puberty in high school. And I think they they do an amazing job of bringing that tone to this TV show. Like it really I haven't gone back and reread the series in a really long time. So to see this show, I was like, yes, it really they really do a great job of capturing the comic book series and the the feeling of being young. And also the feeling of that time in your life, if you are a comic book fan, when you are constantly – Creating superheroes and writing superheroes and like drawing them like, this show and the seer the comic series creates so many like random villains. We get the Mahler brothers here in this first episode or Mahler twins maybe, uh, who are clones and they're always arguing which one of them's the clone. Like just like super fun stuff.
0: I was surprised about a couple of things with the show. I did recently read the first 13 issues, which are the much ballyhooed beginning, if you never read it. At the very least, read those. They're awesome. Revisiting them again, I was surprised at how funny and cool and well said they were. But this is way more violent than those issues. You know, they get there. Issue 13 in and it of itself is pretty violent and pretty brutal for reasons that I won't talk about because they get into spoilers most likely for later in the episodes of the show. But we start with that right at the beginning, right at the top of the episode, things are brutal. They're violent. The fights are big. And it's interesting to see kind of this two mix of the two tones of where invincible started with this bright, very funny comic book and where it ended up with more complicated, more mature storytelling, more violence in it um, by the end of the run. And I, I think uh, that uh, comes to Robert Kirkman being a more mature
1: and complicated writer now than he was almost 20 years ago at this point. Oh, interesting. I, I feel like. I I knew the the comic uh, from what I remember, it started like sweet about the family and then it uh, got dark and violent and and, uh, in all the right ways for kind of like this, uh, uh, you know, for this kind of like battle type of thing that Kirkman has where he does like to uh, have violent things to kind of punctuate his ideas. So I, I I do agree with what you're saying, and, and I wonder if because it's a longer episode, the reason we get violence maybe earlier is just a, as, like, fair warning of, like, you think you kind of understand what's happening, but no way. So you're going to hate it when I say
0: this, Pete, but I did actually interview Robert Kirkman for my day job about these episodes, and he— I was really surprised to learn this. He finished the last episode of Invincible, the last issue of Invincible, and then two weeks later, he was working on the script for this. So I do think there is a sense of uh, what you're saying, kind of mixing all of this stuff together. And he even said that because he had all 144 issues of the comic under his belt, he was able to go through and things that he kind of... Slowly teased out over time, he was able to say, Oh, we did this in issue 120. We could throw this in now. We could push this forward so this all no. works together, uh, as well as uh, create a lot of original stuff for the show that doesn't exist in the comic book.
1: Well, I have th- to think. Wait, wait, th- Justin, wait, before we move on, real quick, uh, thank you for sharing that from your day job. Is there other cool things at your day job that you want to share? <laughs> like, do you get free, uh, like, cool, like, seltzer water and stuff, or do you get, like, lunches paid and stuff like that? Great or? question. I yeah. do not.
0: Not get cool seltzer water necessarily oh. usually when we're in the office i don't know if you know there's a pandemic going on so i oh, haven't right. really got into the office oh, but i, I wanted to get... buy my own seltzer water i'd go down to the walgreens and i get a uh buble <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know right. wow get the pink grapefruit, grapefruit, grapefruit or the lime in particular
2: wow, wow. seltzer flex over here i you know you always, and if you get the wrong seltzer, you send it back, make your assistant go take it back. And I would say demand tinier bubbles. You want, it, you want <laughs> a tight bubble.
0: Another thing for this interview, though, just to throw it out, because we're kind of talking about it now. And this is jumping very much into the episode. At the end of the episode, the most gruesomely violent part is the pi- part right after the credits, quote unquote. It's not even really a post credit scene, because there's two seconds between, where Omni-Man kills the Guardians of the Globe. That happens in the comic book about six to seven issues in, and then there's an even bigger reel reveal at about issue 12 about what's going on there. Um I... This seems to be a very famous story. I had never known this before, but apparently the original plan was to do the Guardians of the Globe thing at about issue 25. And then Jim Valentino, who was the publisher of Image Comics at the time, said, nobody is going to be reading your comic book at issue 25 if you do that. So they pushed it forward to issue six or seven. I don't remember which. And then it kind of went from there. So he felt like it was the same sort of thing, except with the TV show, where what you want to do... You can't even wait that long. You can't wait to six or seven and say, oh, this is one thing. Surprise, this is another thing. Instead, you got to sell people on the concept of the first Eshoo, uh, episode. I keep mixing them up. And that's why Omni-Man is the way that he is in this show.
2: And I, I appreciate that. Um, and I think to the point of all of what we're talking about with the media, when the medium changes from comics to TV, everything gets compressed. So, of course, they're going to move uh, more quickly through a lot of these storylines because you can just capture so much more. Like we get the sweetness of the family just from one scene as opposed to seeing four or five issues of them like being a nice family. Um, but we still get the great moments of him like throwing the trash bag and when he first realized he has powers. Like I love that stuff. And then to end the episode, after all that like nice growing up stuff with a couple dark moments sprinkled through with this super intense, horrifying violence thing, really is like, I see this show. I get it. I'm fully on board.
0: One of the things that I thought was interesting about Invincible across the board, and I don't know if you guys felt the same way. I certainly felt this in the comic book in uh, almost throughout the entire run is that Invincible is this unique hero where he's very casual a lot of the time. And I think that comes from Robert Kirkman's writing tone, but I think they capture that here too, where you were mentioning Spider-Man earlier, Justin, this isn't Spider-Man guilt. And that's the thing that drives him to be a hero. It's Mark finds out over the course of this episode, cool. I have super strength. Cool. I can fly. Cool. I'm invincible. That's great. I should fight crime. And that's pretty much it. That's his whole M.O. for the thing. It's just, this is neat, so let me do this. And it's such a more casual, weird way that it always initially is off-putting to me because I expect something deeper to be going on. But then watching it, remembering this tone, I do think it works. And it works for the fact that this is embracing superhero tropes while skewering them at the same time. Well, that's yeah, what I was sp- going to say.
2: It's like a postmodern. We don't need to go through the whole thing of the consternation because it's like, yeah, everyone knows what superheroes are, the readers and the characters in the show. So it's like, of course, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be a superhero. That's what I want to be. And I knew I was going to get these powers eventually. So, yeah, I'm just going to go and do that. And I'm a nice kid just by being nice, just saying
1: sp- Yeah. Sp- I am. Speaking of casual, the White House security just waving people in very <laughs> casually. Was so very- this is –
0: let's talk about this scene. Pete, curious to get your take because you're talking about it right now. What a weird way to start this episode. That so – would-
2: Weird way to start the series. This yes. scene went on forever about yes, these like, exactly. random dudes talking about like his relationship with his son. And yeah, it, very touching. It, thematically, it gets a little bit about sort of what's going on later, but to start Cold here, I was like, this, I feel like I'm watching an accident, like a
0: cut <laughs> stop <laughs> some other show. Yeah, it doesn't even establish too much of the world that Invincible takes place, and I think they maybe mentioned superheroes once or twice, they're kind of talking around that, but again, it's the relationship between this
1: guard and his son that we don't even get to I, meet. That, it was I was like, what are we? Is this just because John Ham is doing the voice? It's like, why are we here? And then I'm like, and what's going to be the thing? I was like, oh, is it the people they're waving in? That's going to blow up and be a thing? Like, it was such a interesting moment because we know the comic. We, we kind of saw glimpses of what the show was going to be, but the fact that we're sitting right here was this fun moment where it was like Kirkman almost laughing, like, you didn't know this was happening. You're freaking out <laughs> right now. I'm really enjoying yeah. this. Like, it was really interesting. Were you uh, were you just holding a snifter of D? Was that what you were doing with yeah, your head? Yeah, Kirkman is a very fancy, okay. oh, very fancy, well-established, I mean, right. come on, why wouldn't he be having a snifter? That's I, a great point. Can't think you. of a reason. I like I the idea think- that
2: whenever, when in your life, Pete, whenever you're trying to make a a big point, you're like, well, I better have the snifter hand, up. <laughs> <laughs> the big signal. All the famous politicians, presidents, world leaders always go to snifter hand when they're saying the big stuff.
0: Now, I think to the point that you're saying, though, Pete, what this does here is this builds this tension because you're watching the entire scene going, what is going on? Where is this character Invincible, if you don't know who Invincible is? Where are the superheroes? Where are the supervillains? Where are the fights? Like you said, is something going to blow up? Is there going to be an attack? And then there is. It goes on for a crazy long period of time building that tension there. But when it finally happens, I do appreciate that we get a lot of time both at the front and the back of the episode, with the Guardians of the Globe, that are characters that in the comic you don't get to see too much. You do get the establishment of, okay, it's this very quirky weird kind of funny justice league, but that they're actually trying to save people. They they also establish very nicely that Omni man isn't exactly working with him, which is always this uh, very fascinating dynamic. I thought of the comic as well, where you have Superman essentially not working with the justice league and doing something else. Uh, So you establish that and that sets up the end where we also get this extended sequence, seeing a day of the life of the guardians of the globe, which is really nice. Uh, particularly because all I think all of the characters are played by ex or current Walking Dead stars. So it's a nice little reunion for all of them right before J.K. Simmons comes in and beats the shit out of them.
1: Right. And it's uh, also yeah. interesting because it's like this reveal that if you're a parent, you can still think your kid is an asshole. I mean, that was kind of like really unbelievable that like this guy who has this emotional arc with his son, like went from like hating his kid to really being impressed by him.
2: Um, to me, this whole opening sequence was really the Snyder cut that I needed. <laughs> this is all it needs to be, I think, really.
0: Yeah. Now, let's talk about another big change that I think everybody was very upset about. This was very frustrating for me, and I'm sure it was frustrating for you guys as well. In the show, Mark is a big fan of a comic book. That yes. comic book is Seance Dog, yeah. not Science Dog. And that almost made me turn it off and throw my TV across the room. And I'm sure you guys are feeling the same way.
2: Honestly, when I because they, they when I saw it in the comic book, I was like, oh, weird. And then when they actually said it, I was like, oh, you fucked up. You <laughs> fucked up. What happened here? And I, I maybe you know the actual answer, but I in my I'm my viewing, I was like, Oh, clearly Science Dog must have been optioned somewhere and they don't own it anymore. Um, uh, because otherwise there's no way that they would change it to Seance Dog.
0: Yeah. Sandstock, mind you, very funny. Very funny. It's It's weird to have a putt on something that most people are just not going to get because they didn't read the comic book. Uh, but yeah, I did ask Kirkman about that. And he said it's not that they sold the rights, but that it's tied up in other things. They might want to do something with it someday. Um, And it's kind of its own property that he did with, I believe, a different artist. So maybe they'll do a Science Dog series someday. He just didn't want to shoot it in the foot that way. Uh, And there's plenty of other things for fans of the comics that you could spit out. There's a comic called Brit, which is great. Astounding Wolfman, Tech Jacket, all these things that tied to Invincible, Uh, but not Science Dog. But it was definitely watching it. I was like, what? Where's that? What's going on? Yeah, there you go, uh,
2: but it was cool. It was cool to see. Like that's like a, not an Easter egg, but like a um, uh, what's another like a Christmas egg? It's like not the egg you wanted, <laughs> but it's an egg. Yeah,
0: yeah It's kind of like why are we getting eggs for this holiday?
2: Yeah, <laughs> what's happening here? It's a weird egg. Not the huh. egg I expect. Okay, I'd rather have a tree,
0: but all right, one giant egg with ornaments hanging off it.
2: Let's do this. Stay away from the Christmas egg. <laughs> it could crack an it. <laughs> <laughs> what horrible beast put on a cat? got on egg. top.
0: Anyway, uh, I did also appreciate, though, that they took one of, uh, they kept Mark's introduction from the comic books, him sitting on the toilet reading comics, and his mom comes in. Super gross. No thanks. What's my? I'm not going to walk into my kids. Would you do that? Like, as as a teenager, did your mom and dad, you're, you're looking at me like I'm a crazy person right now, and I feel like I'm stabbering. Uh, well, I mean, now is, I...
2: you're, you're taking this issue as like a real, put it, put a tent tent pole into it, now, like, here's where I make my stand. No more I, bat visits.
1: Uh, After a certain I, age, sure. Uh, now I know how I feel by trying to talk about time at the beginning of the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I Yeah. Uh the other side of it a
2: bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, it didn't bother me as much. It felt like a very normal family uh, thing. I mean, it's not like we were barging into each other's bathrooms when I was growing up, but I will say, one the uh, the house we lived in for a, a lot a long time we didn't have a ba- uh, there was a curtain on the bathroom door for a while instead of a well, door
1: risky that's yeah that would not work in my house no. yeah same
0: gotta have doors that was my first thing when I got my new apartment I was like hey uh, you got doors in here <laughs>
1: first thing you ask you got first doors thing you ask.
0: yeah a yeah. uh, lot of other great moments for the comics I think throughout here we got to see the uh, catch. That Omni Man and Invincible are playing, which is super fun. Yeah. They're throwing a, f- a baseball around the Earth,
1: almost very, in the airplane.
0: That could have been disastrous. Very yeah. hard to aim. Uh, and on that note, actually, about the airplane and everything, this this show goes so much harder on the animation style than I think it has to, and I was very impressed mm-hmm. by it. What do you mean by it, then it has to? Well, I mean, it could have been It could have been the sort of thing where, like, they send it off to Japan, they animate it, it looks Saturday morning cartoon style, but there's a lot more thought put into the buildings. You can see that when Invincible is flying by that first time in his costume. You can see the reflection there. There's a little bit more 3D mapping going on. It looks really nice, and I think that's up to, I think it's Cory Walker as the lead character designer, so him making sure that it looks and feels like the comics and feels authentic,
1: uh, I was impressed. I did. It did feel like comic panels because there is that one part where he's flying and it's just kind of like he's staying still but the clouds are moving a mm. little bit. But yeah, I definitely feel like that's the nice thing about it is I want to see the comic that I know and love come to life. I mean, it can steer away from the comic book a little bit but I want to kind of feel like I'm still... Uh, seeing those characters like I did in the comics.
0: Well, did you see that then? I know, Pete, you get very protective, in particular if
1: the art style does not match on the TV show from the comics. So how did you feel about it? I felt great. I did feel like they did a good job of Really, especially when Invincible got his costume, that really felt like, oh, wow, now we're, now we're really in the comic book. And, uh, yeah, it was great. And there was, like, a lot of different nods and different eggs to stuff. Like, I like the nod to the barf rama scene. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was really fun with the Red Blur or Flash or whatever he's called. Uh, yeah. Where Red Blur was bringing people and they were throwing up immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And then if you barf, I'm going to barf, you know, classic yeah. barf rama Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, what do you think of the,
2: the line um, that uh, Omni? I mean, Omni Man and, and Invincible have a lot of conversations about sort of fatherly um, advice. They're teaching them how to be a hero. Would you think the line? You spend your whole life trying not to pee for your pee your pants. Does, it, does that ring true to you? Uh, how much focus are you giving on not peeing your pants on a daily basis?
0: I mean, constantly, I guess. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so you're pretty 90 close 95 percent at the time. So you're pretty close right now to being advanced. your pants. I already have.
1: Oh my <laughs> God. Wow. That's the nice thing about doing these Zooms. Nobody can tell anymore. Alex yeah. can probably relax and be when people- he needs to. And for
0: those of you wondering, yes, I do have a door in front of me on the Zoom. That's that's why I was able to do it.
2: Yeah. Uh, wow, that's a real tree fall in the woods moment where you're like, as long as I'm in private, I can do whatever I want and no one will notice.
1: Yeah, Omni-Man. If a, ha-
2: if a podcast has pieces of pants behind a door, did it ever really happen? Ooh. And the answer is yes, I'm so sorry. You just talked about it for quite a
0: while. I'll cut out that part probably.
2: Oh, no. That's not how it works with the tree. The old tree analogy: <laughs> the tree falls in, a, in the woods, and you edit it out later. It didn't really happen.
1: <laughs> I really like the relation. Oh, Pete, maybe you're going to say this as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. I was just going to say the Omni Man uh, uh, stuff had what w- you know. From reading the comics, we kind of know a little bit ahead, but I'm really glad that they planted some weird lines that he had and yeah. some weird moments where you're like, "Whoa, this guy's." not what we think he is. Mm -hmm. I really love the mom. I thought she was, I uh, loved her in the comic, uh, loved to see the the kind of relationship uh, translate into the show in such a uh, very touching, but also she's a badass in her own right. Like, I really loved the lines that she had and the way she connected with her son and that whole talk about, like, it used to be you and me and now it's going to be you and him. Like, it was really beautiful.
2: It was that that relationship I thought was great. And then to your point, Pete, the little dark spots we see from Omni-Man, I thought are so good. And the fact that we get like one, two and then boom, he murders the entire um, uh, Guardian team like I thought was great. Like we see him for when Mark first says, hey, I got my powers. And you see him like he freezes like, oh, no, this means I have to start killing people. (laughs) I thought that was great. And then later when he punches Mark way too hard, you're like, oh, he did that. By acts, he's either it's either pointing to like he has a darkness in him and he's reckless and harmful or it's like he's mad at his son for developing his powers because it's it's changing everything.
1: And now yeah, he can't, he's family. he said right after he was like, nobody's going to pull their punches. So it wasn't like. Like he did that shit on purpose. But go ahead, Alex. You've been well. No, no
0: I was just going to add in. That's a really hard moment, particularly as a father or as a yeah, first son of time of a father
1: son. Right. That's got to be a real hard moment. Jesus Christ, Pete. Uh,
0: this a <laughs> it's time. a very hard scene to watch and to yes. see a father do that to his son. In see. C- The reaction, which, uh, to the show's credit, they don't hold back on, Mark rolling on the floor, gasping for breath, calling him out on it later, Um, those are great moments. They're very, very dark moments, but they're really well done, and it shows how things might work in this superhero world, nothing that Omni-Man does is okay to Mark, but you understand it from the perspective of these superheroes, I guess. Uh, and I like the relationship across the board. I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit the last time, the voice cast is so insanely stacked, but that's what you get when you get a newly minted Oscar nominee, Steven Young teamed up with J.K. Simmons and Sandra Oh. You get some really good performances from them, and it's nice yeah. to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would also just like to say I don't you shouldn't hit your kids there. So oh, That's thanks, right. Pete. thanks for coming out strongly against that.
2: Well, it's more realistically, it's Alex playing catch with his son, teaching him how to pee his pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't need to teach it, bro. He's a natural <laughs> oh, <laughs> reverse body. Oh crit.
1: wow. Yeah. Good for you, uh, Congrats,
0: Before man. we start to wrap up here, I know we've, again, very broad stroke gone over the episode and the fight scenes I'll also mention I thought were great. I love that we got multiple ones in there. Yeah. Love the scene pretty much straight out of the comic book where we got to see Invincible uh, get his costume and work with the tailor. Just a fun character to have yeah. show from the comic book. But Mark Hamill. Were, yeah, Mark Hamill. Good yeah. actor as well. Has he done any voice work or roles that I might know about? Come on, dude. Come on. Come on. Not familiar. Uh, But we do need to wrap up here. So let's talk about our invincible moment in the episode. Justin, you want to go first? Um, Yeah. uh,
2: I mean, tough on this first one to really, I just, I'll highlight one line first. The direct, like, joke or, like, roast of kick-ass. Mm-hmm. um did you catch that where he's like ass kicker he's like no that's a stupid name <laughs> oh, like, oh my wow that's some old old grudge shit um, coming out because i don't think people are uh ready or need that right now yeah. um but i guess the invincible moment for me is just when you see omni-man turn i think this episode plays like a a fun great funny version of a superhero or, origin and coming into his own and you get this turn at the end that is like oh this is something different um and despite the fact that it's like horrifyingly violent um it's still like that it's violence used in a way that is meant to really scare you and like put you back on your heels and i think they do it really well pete what about you
0: invincible moment of the episode.
1: Yeah, I got to go back to uh, the mother-son moment on the back deck. Uh it got me uh, when she was like, I love my asshole son, and kind of put her arm around him. Uh, that was just really very moving. Uh, I also really enjoyed, uh, was it Darkwing? Mm-hmm. I always want to say Darkwing Duck, but yeah, like they have Darkwing. Uh, even though we got to see those for so I just love the choices they made about this, like, kind of faux Batman type character and like that under the tank scene was really uh, fantastic. And even though that like, I maybe knew stuff was coming because of the comic that stuff at the end, I still was so caught up in it and just like, why this is awful. Stop. Why aren't you stopping? Like this is, Oh, it was so crazy to have that be the end of the episode. Uh, We didn't really talk about any of this stuff with Invincible at school
0: and Mark and his friends there. There's been some just significant changes. Yeah, Uh, We got to see Todd. Amber is very different, now played by Zazie Beach. Definitely less a blonde ditz like she was in the comic books and way more in charge of her own shit, which I thought was really nice. Um, But like we talked about, that first costume reveal flying moment is so good. I knew you. music is good. it's a great oh, yeah, moment. Music, it's really yeah. well done. Well, if you want to talk about something that's invincible, it's definitely that. Well, how folks, about the Superman riff um, at the end there? Oh, yeah.
2: Wait, which one? The music, Superman oh, yes. music riff, which yeah. was like, I was like, oh, can they? And then the, the note was different than the <laughs> yeah. Superman one. I was like, oh, good. I and then it cut right it. into the scene. Yeah, it was, it was
0: good. So overall, real good episode.
2: We're going yeah. to keep rolling
0: them out, because there are three that debuted today, so stay tuned for those. You can check them out in the Invincible f- feed, excuse me, on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. On iTunes, please leave us a comment, leave us a rating. We would really appreciate that. Also, if you want to support this podcast and the other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash book club. We do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to podcast on YouTube. We'd love to chat with you about Invincible, so come hang out. Comic Book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time enjoy those mondays with bark
2: and that's i think it's the invincible fight cast is what we're going with yeah